This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. Benjamin Franklin once wrote that one should keep thy eyes wide open before marriage and half shut afterwards. And don't forget Oscar Wilde's cryptic message that one should always be in love, and that is the reason one should never marry. So, can marriage and romance coexist? This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. Do you love me? Do I want? Do you love me? Do I love you? Do you remember that song from Fiddler on the Roof? As the concept of modern love comes to their family in that shtetl of Anatevka, Tevya and Golda try to navigate a new definition of relationship priorities and perceptions. Love as a romantic concept eludes them both. Tevya's love language is acts of service. He recounts the many ways he's worked for her, raised kids with her, lived with her, but she's not having it. But, she says, do you love me? You see, Golda's looking for words of affirmation. The contemporary French scholar Denise de Rougemont once wrote that we are in the act of trying out and failing miserably at it, one of the most pathological experiments in a civilized society that they've ever imagined, namely, the basing of marriage, which is lasting, upon romance, which is a passing fancy. You know, Benjamin Franklin once wrote that one should keep thy eyes wide open before marriage and half shut afterwards. So, can marriage and romance coexist? And don't forget Oscar Wilde's cryptic message that one should always be in love, and that is the reason one should never marry. Jewish thought is not nearly as cynical, but it also models the Jewish way in marriage as it's first described in the Torah. And that wasn't bolts of lightning or necessarily love at first sight. The first reference we read about is the relationship between our patriarch Isaac and his bride Rivka, or Rebecca in English. The text reads somewhat enigmatically. It says in their story in Genesis that then Isaac brought her, Rivka, into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Doesn't it seem that the order of business here is reversed? Shouldn't Isaac love her, then marry her, then take her into his late mother's tent? Like love, marriage, baby carriage? And what's with being comforted by his mother's passing as the end goal? Because there is no way that our patriarch Isaac was some sort of mama's boy. What could God possibly be trying to tell us in this dynamic? So one of the secrets our sources teach us is that, yes, in fact, this is the correct order for creating a lasting union. You see, when Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother's tent, the miracles that occurred while Sarah, his mother, was alive, re-began. The candle stayed lit from one Friday to the next. The dough was blessed, and there was always enough for family and guests, and a divine cloud was attached to the tent. Through this, he saw 
that she was a fit in terms of his family's values. She was righteous in the way that his own mother was and worthy of the miracles that occurred because of it. Our matriarchs and patriarchs were nation builders, and so are we. Marriage is nation building on a macro level. Building a family is building generations, and no amount of romantic love or attraction can sustain itself without a shared vision of what a meaningful life looks like. Now, this is not to diminish the importance of attraction. One is not permitted to marry someone for whom there is no attraction whatsoever. But a lack of shared values, a shared vision of your joint destination, is often a marriage breaker that no amount of physical intimacy can correct. Isaac married Rebecca only after determining they shared a destination. Then he loved her. What they're saying here is that ultimately love is the result of marriage and not necessarily always the precursor to it. Because what we call love at marriage is usually a chemical reaction of one to the other, a reaction that can obscure reality and can end in profound disappointment. In love is generally a free gift, which must be followed by common goals and shared definitions of what is truly valuable. You know, Netflix is currently airing a show called The Jewish Matchmaker. It has moments of brilliance and moments of such profound silliness. The hostess, though, she's amazing, and she attempts to ensure that shared values and shared destination is in place before she ever fixes up a couple. You know, I binged the entire series in two days. And yeah, it features some cringeworthy moments, but there's also some moments of real grace. We know that love is a verb. It's a behavior. Jill Murray, who wrote, But I Love Him, Protecting Your Daughter from Controlling Abusive Dating Relationships, she wrote that if someone mistreats you while professing to love you, remember this. Love is a behavior. A relationship thrives, says Gila Mandelson, when partners are committed to behaving lovingly through continual, unconditional giving, not only saying, I love you, but showing it. I don't know if you remember that word by the band Extreme. It was covered by Steven Tyler as well. It's called More Than Words. You should look it up. It talks about this concept. Rabbi Noah Weinberg said, that love is the attachment that results by deeply appreciating another's goodness. You know, I've been married for a long, long time. My husband and I share a vision of what a meaningful life is. We share a mutual destination and a deep commitment to those ideals. And because of that, our love has grown. It's matured, and it's become a reward and a blessing. You know, I thought I loved him when I married him but I didn't even know him. Not really. But for 35 years, I've washed his clothes, cooked his meals, cleaned his house. For 35 years, my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? Huh. I guess I'm Golda. This week, can you examine your loving attachments and, if necessary, create a mission statement for the rest of your lives together, a shared goal or purpose that's larger than the often self-centered desire just to be loved, and get some help if necessary. Speak to a therapist 
a clergy person, a wise elder. And then, maybe then you can say, do you love me? I suppose I do. And I suppose I love you too. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.